Let us continue to read the scriptures together. I'll be reading from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chiefs and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and they saw the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened the treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. These stories, which if you've been in church for a big part of your life, um, are very familiar. And even if you haven't been in church for your whole life, you'll, you've probably driven by a church and maybe outside of the church they have a nativity scene. Um, and, and we see these scenes that are set up, and we've had this story rehearsed since we were children so many times that we start to think that this story, of course, this is what was supposed to happen. But I want you to think for a moment that there are so many people in this world who still do not believe that this story was true. Uh, this is why we've been studying over the past four weeks um, Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christmas, because in this book, Lee Strobel wants to argue that this story is true, to take the people who do not believe and to turn them into believers. And when I was asking, Lord, what do I say to bring this case for Christmas to conclusion? How do I present this in a way? I felt the Lord have a conversation with me, and the conversation would be, well, why do we need to convince each other? Why would people stop believing? 
or choose not to believe in this Christmas story. And one word came to my mind, and I believe it was a word that the Lord gave me to uh, share with you today. And the word is unconventional. Unconventional. I was like, whoa, where did this come from? This word unconventional come from? And, uh, and so I looked, up the dic- I looked up in the dictionary the word Conventional, because in order to know what the word unconventional means, we have to know what the word conventional means. And the word conventional, it means this. It's based on or in accordance with what is generally done or believed. So something that is conventional is something that people generally believe. Everybody tends to believe in something that is conventional. This is the way things are generally done. This is what we generally believe. That is something that is conventional. And so here God is telling his story to humanity. He's telling about how he's going to save the world. And he prophesies it in the book of Isaiah and throughout the Old Testament prophets. And here in the book of Matthew and in Luke, which we've read from this evening, we see a story that People were not expecting the story that is a little unconventional. To me, growing up, that word unconventional or conventional, actually, uh, I learned it at an early age because my dad, he was at one point a farmer who farmed vegetables and they were, we would call them conventional farming, which means it was the way things were generally done. And the way things are generally done in farming, uh, especially produce farming, is that they put a lot of herbicides and pesticides and fertilizers that are chemically driven onto the, onto the fields so that the, we can get the best crops. And I remember uh, growing up, and that's the way my dad would farm. And he'd go out in his sprayer, and he'd go out in his tractor and his fertilizer, and he would make sure that the lands had all of these chemicals on them so that the Crops looked beautiful, and they did look beautiful. This was conventional farming. But when I was in my, uh, before I was even in my teens, my dad made a decision in the 90s, before it was popular, to go organic. And this was, at the time, unconventional. It was a risk. It was something that not everybody was doing at the time. And I would, if you had a conversation with my dad, I think he would say that he made a great decision because that's the way they farm today. They do organic farming, and organic farming has grown in popularity. And they have no problem selling their produce, but they do have trouble trying to grow that way. It is a more difficult way of doing things. And I think about how that's the route that my dad chose and how hard it was, and yet how it paid off. And I think about that word, unconventional, that I felt the Lord speaking to me. And now I want to think about the Christmas story. When the Jews were in Jerusalem or in Israel and they were reading the Bible and they were thinking about how God was going to send a Savior to save them from the Romans, do you think they thought that Jesus was going to be coming to be laid in a manger or a palace? Do you think that they were going to see a star in the east to follow it in order to find out where this baby was going to be born? Did you think that God would choose some of the first people to visit the baby in the manger, that they would be shepherds, lowly shepherds, uh, people of the time who were of little importance in society, who lived in the countryside? 
See, when God chose his plan to save us, he didn't take the route that was thought to be traveled, the common belief of how people would go about saving others. God, outside of human history, looks in and sees our choice to live a life without him, a life of sin. And he says, I need to get in there somehow. I need to rescue them. And instead of coming from heaven as a man, he comes from heaven and is born in a virgin as a baby. Vulnerable. You think of a baby. You think of how little they are and how precious they are. And this is something that we find beautiful in the Christmas story. But in Lee Strobel's book, A Case for Christmas, he, uh, in the conclusion, uh, Lee Strobel t- reminds us that, yes, the story of Christmas is a beautiful story about a baby, but that baby grew up into be a man. And even his way of saving us was unconventional. To die on a cross, a Roman cross, one of the Worst ways throughout all of human existence to be tortured and to die. God chose to show his willingness to love us and to suffer death on a cross for us. By choosing that point of history to demonstrate that love. This is a love story. An unconventional love story. He didn't do it the way that most people would think to do it. And because of that, I think... For some people, they find it hard to believe. And this is why Lee Strobel had to write his book. He was one of those people who found it hard to believe in some of these stories because they were so unconventional. But just because they're not, they're not easily the road that is traveled, it was a, a road that was less traveled, doesn't mean it's not true. And in his book, Lee Strobel argues this case that... Um, The disciples were eyewitnesses who witnessed Jesus' resurrection. They saw that Jesus, not only did he die on the cross for for their sins, but he rose from the dead. And they saw the resurrected body of Jesus afterwards. And they believed this so much that they were willing to die themselves a martyr's death for what they believed. So what does that actually mean for you and me today? I return back to this word unconventional, and I think this is an unconventional time in history for us. Who would have thunk it, believed it, if two years ago I would have told you from the pulpit, hey, a pandemic's coming. I don't think people would believe. And now we're doing church through a camera, and there's nobody here in the building with me, And this is an unconventional way of doing church. How you're celebrating your Christmas might seem unconventional. The way you hope God would show up in your life might seem unconventional. For some of you, the conventional way of God showing up would be, God, just please heal me right now. God, just show up in my life right now. God, just speak to me audibly right now. God, just have your way with me right now. But God chose an unconventional way to show you he loves you. 
by 2,000 years ago coming into the world, growing up from a baby to a man and dying on a cross for your sins. Yes, maybe that's not what you feel you need right now, but he did it in an unconventional way, and that's the way he chose to do it, to save you from your sins. But the truth is this, he's promised to be with you in an unconventional way as well, by sending you the power of the Holy Spirit to be with you even now this evening. And like I said, we're going to join together through lighting candles. And so I encourage you to take a candle and to light it. And you might feel like what's happening in your life is is not normal. It's unconventional. But you can pray to God who will minister to you in that time. And if you're going through it right now, just, just share with God, your need for support. And I encourage anyone who, who, who can lift up a prayer for your church family, pray for those who are struggling right now. Um, like I said earlier, there's a number of people we know in our church who either have a loved one who's sick in the hospital or sick at home, or I, I also know some people in our church who themselves are struggling physically, emotionally. And so pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. And as we have the last song or some of the last songs played, Silent Night, um, take that time lighting that candle in and and pray. Pray to the Lord. I'm going to start us off before we listen to that song together and pray uh, to the Lord. I I want to pray for us right now. Lord, I thank you that we can come before you. I thank you that you chose to come. And maybe you chose to come in a way that was unconventional, a way that nobody else would have thought that you would come. But you're God and you can do things the way you want to do them. And so, Lord, I believe, I believe you came as a baby born of a virgin You suffered and died for my sins. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone who themselves has had a hard time believing during this Christmas season, I pray that you would give them faith. That even by hearing right now the the gospel message being told to them once again, that their faith would rise, they would put their hope and their trust into you, Lord Jesus. And no matter what they're going through, they would know that you are near. Lord, be near to the sick. Be near to the lonely. Bring love, joy, peace, and hope this Christmas season into our homes. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence. Jesus, we thank you for leaving heaven to come to earth. And Father, we thank you for your great love that you were willing to send your Son. Fill us now with your Spirit and encourage us as we pray and sing Silent Night. Amen.